0: Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football.
1: Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and and White White Brothers.
0: Brothers.
1: (laughs) Two brothers, two takes, one one team. Well, bro, it's... Monday morning, uh, coming on the heels of a pretty rough football weekend for Penn State football, and yet here we are trying to have conversation and
0: commentary from a fan perspective. So are you ready, bro? I've never been more ready to be a fan of Penn State football than I am today. I
1: <laughs> love to hear it. You know what? It's really all about the process, right? That's what Franklin preaches, the process, 1-0, 1-0, and like, So I just want to let other people know what our process is that like we touch base Sunday evening, Monday morning to talk about all the things we want to talk about. And we have just spent the last three hours on an incredible rant about what we're seeing and what do we do? And we're going to try to like compress that and and contain it and and package it in a way that people can come along. And maybe it's not so like, you know, raw and wriggling as uh, Gollum likes to say. About his fish.
0: Orwellian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, anything you want to say before we dive in, bro? I think you should just let us dive in because I will get into the weeds just like we always do. I mean, will get into the weeds a lot today, but I don't want to right, start us off in the weeds.
1: We'll put a pin in that. Um, here's what we got for you, everyone. Uh, we are going to do some news and notes, uh, we're going to recap that. Michigan game and um, we've got a blue and white breakdown for you it's going to be on coaching specifically James Franklin we've got a mailbag entry um, and then finally we're going to take just a few minutes just a few minutes to look ahead to that Rutgers game coming up the last home game of the season Um, before we jump into all that here is your news and notes news and notes Well, certainly the uh, college football landscape is coming into shape. Um, this weekend, the top teams did what top top teams do, and that is they they won, and most of them won pretty handily. Uh, number one, Georgia over Tennessee. Some people calling that as an upset special. Uh, it was not forty one seventeen. It was a game that was really never close. Um, Alabama, boy, they really challenged themselves against New Mexico State, that marquee opponent whom they uh, promptly demolished 59 to 3. That's a little sarcasm there over their opponent. You got to love that. Week 11 is New Mexico State FCS.
0: No, no, they're not FCS. I but mean, they might. I mean, they might for all intents be for, and purposes. For, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no. Anyway, slight to the Lobos, I think they're they're the Lobos. But but I yeah, they're no they're no. It's just it's like hiring or excuse me, um, it's like uh, scheduling a an <laughs> hiring. Opponent. Yeah, I mean, hiring actually, that, that <laughs> kind of is what it is like: is hiring totally. a team to come in and allow your team to have a break. That's. Freudian I mean, that's what the slip. SEC does. They, they, yeah. they, they hire. They pay these teams to come in and be a doormat, and then those teams yep. know that they are the doormat. And even though they're going to try and win, they'll gladly take the money of the bigger, you know, the bigger batter, you know, fish.
1: Who come on, take the money and run?
0: Yeah, exactly. Steve Miller but I mean, uh, you know, we we've taken the money from a team or two that's beaten us, or sorry, given uh, the money to yeah, a team sort or two given that's it, beaten yeah, us. Yeah. So it's Michigan. All right. For that so. Matter?
1: Moving on uh, the the top ten number three Oregon uh, in a two touchdown victory over Washington State it was tied at the half fourteen all but then Oregon ripped off twenty four second half points to put it away pretty comfortably Um, final was thirty eight to twenty four Ohio State uh, coming in to your CFP. Uh, as the number four team, again playing a potential uh, upset game with Purdue, could they make it three in a row? Um, no, they could not. Uh, Purdue a got... a
0: lot to ask. A, a lot to ask of Purdue. To do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, they got obliterated, fifty-nine to thirty-one. Game was over by the end of the first half with the score forty-five to seventeen.
0: <laughs> yikes <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah um number five cincinnati um they didn't look particularly sharp uh, over a bad south florida team but in the end uh won 45 to 21 um and number six michigan that was uh the, the victory at penn state probably the closest game of the top 10 we'll get into that in just a minute um but moving on number seven michigan state took care of business beating maryland 40 to 21 uh, number nine Notre Dame shut down Virginia 28 to three and then uh, finally number 10 Oklahoma State who's only got one loss on the season they obliterated a reeling Texas Christian 63 to 27. There were some close games and upsets. Um, Of course, uh, the biggest of those being uh, a Baylor upset of uh, the previously undefeated number eight Oklahoma Sooners. That was twenty-seven to fourteen. Oklahoma never got going. I think um, uh, their quarterback, the the true freshman, um, threw two interceptions. It was it was just not a pretty game for Oklahoma, and uh, the (laughs) the wheels fell off the Sooner Schooner.
0: I think, I think that was
1: someone else's headline. I I don't yeah. I don't think I made that up. Just for the record, I mean but the anyway. wheels
0: have fallen off them, but I think they still have a potential path. Um, yeah, they, might, I think they so. might need a little help, but I don't think their their margin is as thin as like Ohio State's is right now. You know, if Ohio well, State loses, and I think an- they're out probably.
1: Yeah, being undefeated at number eight right. by the by the committee means that they weren't very well regarded anyway. You know, so I I, I would be surprised if they fa- snuck their way into um, if,
0: if Oklahoma the top State four. wins out. If Oklahoma State wins out, and then pen, excuse me, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State in the title game. That's that's a they need a little help, but I think that that's they're they're capable. I think they're it's possible. Uh, let's let's I mean, put it this way. Their their path to the playoff was certainly better than Penn State's path to the playoff after losing to um, Illinois.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so they're two one-loss Big 12 teams, um, and... You know the uh, Bedlam game still is coming up, and the Big Twelve championship game is still coming up. So you know who knows anything can happen, chaos around college football. But uh, Oklahoma's um, fortunes have have certainly uh, dropped precipitously Mm -hmm. after losing to Baylor. Um, uh, Similarly, number fifteen Ole Miss um, knocked off number eleven Texas A and M in an SEC showdown, twenty nine to nineteen, and yeah, just interesting to see the uh, you know sort of the second tier. SEC teams kind of uh, cannibalizing one another. Um Wake Forest who had their first loss last week against North Carolina, another very close game against the other North Carolina team NC State, but this time they held on to win 45-42. I mean Wake Forest just scores points in bunches and apparently also doesn't have a lot of defense, but um they haven't locked up the ACC title game, but um, they're they're getting closer. They play Clemson this week, and um, what I'm sure everyone will hope will be a, a big victory for Wake Forest. Finally, this, um,
0: this Auburn Mississippi State that you're about to mention, and I yeah. cut, cut you off, beach to it. Um, you know, I, you you were going to probably mention the fact that Bo Nix uh, injured himself in the game, but that's yeah. not really the whole story of that game. The story nope. of that game was that um, I think Auburn was leading by 32 points at one point. 25. 25. Okay. So they were up 32 to something. That's what it was. And and they were leading by 25. And it was the most yards, I think, and points scored against uh, Auburn in that, that um, rivalry, if you want to call it a rivalry, in that matchup in history. So, Mike yeah, it was Leach, also the
1: first time Michigan State's ever come back from a 25 point deficit. Mississippi
0: State. You said Michigan State.
1: Yeah, my bad, Mississippi State. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, also previous to this, Auburn was the highest ranked three loss team, so the yeah. committee felt pretty good about them. And and then they laid an egg after. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened to their defense. That I mean, the, the final score on that game, by the way, was thirty four to forty three. Yeah. So 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 not only did um, you know, Auburn give up a twenty five point uh deficit, but then they ended up losing by nine.
0: Yeah. You know, so you mentioned that they that they had Auburn as the highest ranked um, uh, three loss team, and we beat Auburn. They also had Wisconsin ranked above us as a three loss team, and we were unranked. And every all the Penn State fans were all, you know, how can you have us out not ranked and have these other two teams that we beat? And it's like, well did you see what kind of team did you see what, happened against, Michigan? Did you see what happened against Michigan <laughs> yeah. like oh well that was founded at this uh, yeah. point we can we could argue about it all we want but anyways here here's you know Auburn floundering and uh tough loss yeah. from last year uh, Brian Harson.
1: right and then by the way um Bo Nix um is elected to have a season ending ankle surgery That's um Auburn. so so whatever happens to Auburn rest of the season it'll be without Bo Um Just a few other big 10 games of note. Um, number 18, Wisconsin wallops Northwestern 35 to seven. Uh, number twenty, Iowa squeaked by Minnesota, twenty-seven to twenty-two. Um, I know Minnesota's not ranked, but they were uh, previously, you know, holding the top spot in the West, and they've had a couple losses in a row now. And then finally, Rutgers. Um, looking ahead to that game, uh, they handled Indiana, thirty-eight to three. Uh, Indiana, I think, is on their third-string quarterback right now. Um, they're a team that is, um, you know, I think they're they're just uh, have sort of given up for the season, but um, still watching Rutgers steamroll them like that.
0: We'll find out if Indiana's given up they've got a couple of uh, a couple of games on their schedule coming up here uh, that are winnable Minnesota and Purdue uh, I mean I'm not saying that they're going to win those games but they're not against you know the ranked top top tier teams right now and um, they, there's an opportunities for them to close out their season on a higher note and really that you know Penn State and Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana are kind of all fighting for that bottom of the big Ten East right now.
1: Yeah, I mean the the top is decided. The top three teams sure, sure. are um, whatever happens these next two weeks. Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan are the top three teams in the East. Um, Ohio State in first um, with with uh seven and in the undefeated conference. record in the conference. Yep, Michigan um, State and, six and, and one,
0: Michigan six and one in the correct. conference, and all those teams are all nine and one. Whereas Indiana is zero and seven in the conference. But if they get two wins. You know, they've at least salvaged They're some of their out of pride. the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Maryland um, and Rutgers are all both two and five right now. So the bottom, yeah. the, the battle for the bottom is happening right now.
1: Yeah, and Penn State could be in contention for that. For battle, bottom. depending on 100%. how these next two games
0: go. Absolutely.
1: So, so um, you know, and, and at the same, by the same token, these next two games in in the rest of the Big Ten, um, Ohio State. Michigan and Michigan State um are, are all have big big games in, in fact Ohio State has has played neither Michigan nor Michigan State so those two um Th- Would those love two to match-ups. see Ohio
0: State lose both of those.
1: By yeah, well, the way. it's gonna. I mean, that's gonna. That's gonna be. That's gonna decide the conference. Of course, Penn State will play Michigan State and potentially could play a, a spoiler role depending on how Michigan State plays against Ohio State. But uh, yeah, some interesting stuff happened at the end of the season. Unfortunately, Penn State um, is not in any of those conversations. Meanwhile, in the West, uh, there's a a, a logjam last week that's broken up somewhat. Um, Wisconsin and Iowa. You know, former Penn State opponents now tied for first in the West at five and two in the conference, and they're followed by uh, Minnesota and Purdue, who are tied for third. By the way, bro, Illinois has the same conference record as Penn State. Just thought you might like to to know that.
0: I didn't want to know that. I also <laughs> don't like to know that. So, um, yeah, not that, that's. Let's move along. Moving along. Yeah. <laughs> Get so me out of there. <laughs> um, so look, we're, there's a.
1: It just feels like, in a lot of ways, the Michigan outcome—not just the—not just the the final score of the game being a loss, and of course it was a twenty-one to seventeen loss to Michigan—but it, it's not just the loss, but it was the way we lost that feels like kind of a watershed moment for this Penn State team and this Penn State season. How many times? And I, I, I. Well, let me just let me just yeah, say, like go we're going to get into that, okay? But but before we do, I, I thought it would be important just to do some recap of the game to kind of put the facts into context okay so uh, would you like to say something before i get into that bro or do you want to yeah
0: all i was gonna say was um you know how many times in the the short blue and white brothers podcast history have we had what we have either called the podcast episode title or thought to ourselves in podcast episode planning that this is groundhog day (laughs) yeah right you know, I mean, how many times? I mean, we call, I think we could have called it a couple of episodes if we didn't. I, mean, I know we called one of them Groundhog Day, at least. I think last year and this year, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. And then a few other times we were like, this is like Groundhog Day. Yeah, we can't use that. Yeah, title. so there there are some
1: <laughs> common themes, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on those. Like, it just feels like we're replaying the same script. Um, but but some of the things that I just thought touching, we're not gonna spend a lot of time uh, debriefing. All right, uh, this game, yeah, I, or got, we're, got, we're got, not gonna yeah, run go. it down. But but here here's one of the things that that we saw. Um, it, there were a lot of empty drives. Okay, now this is this cuts both ways because Michigan also had a lot of empty drives, um, but for Penn State. Uh, and it was, by the way, it was an ugly day. It was windy. It was rainy. It was, it was kind of gross. It was sort of a classic big 10 late season, you know, sort of game. And, and again, the score sort of reflected that, but, but here's what Penn state had. Um, We had four punts on the day. In addition to that, we had four field goal attempts, which included one miss and we had one drive ending in the fumble, which was that fake field goal at the at the two. Don't worry. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit more. And then at the end of the game, we we uh, turned over the ball on downs. So, you know, we only had one three and out on the day, which seems like an improvement over previous weeks. But then you take a step back and you realize we had eight drives that netted 35 yards or less on the day. Eight drives that netted 35 yards or less. And uh, kind of a complementary statistic to that, we were seven of 21 on third down so as you're watching the game and feeling like oh why can't we just get things going why does this feel so hard well there it is eight drives 35 yards or less seven and 21 on third down um and that doesn't get into some of the more egregious elements of the game
0: statistics it's like you're getting a third of the field uh on eight drives and on you're getting a third of your third downs converted as well so like we're playing with a, a hand or two tied behind our back from from that standpoint it certainly felt like it. And we're, although we're playing with two of our three hands tied behind our back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> and so like, yeah, the, 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 the part of our, you know, one of those hands that we've been playing with all season, not behind our back, except for like when Sean Clifford w- was knocked out and uh, limited um, in the Illinois game is we've been able to rely on our passing attack. And here we had a game in which Clifford was healthy, but we, our, our passing attack couldn't get it done, all right? So w- Clifford in this game had only 205 yards passing, just barely broke the 200 yard mark. Um, he was 53 percent on the day, only 4.7 yards per attempt. So um, you know and, and this <laughs> you know this is in addition to having to watch Clifford get mauled. Um, truly like, absolutely mauled. absolutely abused. A- and, and seven sacks time- on the day.
0: To give context to that seven sacks that Penn State's offensive line gave up, Northern Illinois and Western Michigan each only allowed one sack total for their games against Michigan.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to exp, explain, what, what would explain that um, other than just not being good on the offensive line. Um, by the way, our previous two games, um, we had one win and one loss: uh, win against Maryland, loss against Ohio State. Over 360 yards passing for Sean Clifford in each of those games. So, so this was a huge, huge outlier, uh, you know, in, in right. the most recent history.
0: And and the knock on Michigan's defense kind of early on in the season was that they were susceptible to the big play on uh, in the in the passing game, and we did not threaten. Uh, that big play passing threat. We did not yeah. threaten with that big play passing game, passing attack. You know, we didn't get Jahan Dotson loose. It, so it's just so, like, so just on the surface outlier. of things,
1: just on the surface of things, the, the disappearance of our passing game against Michigan is a, is a major factor um, in, in the outcome of the game. On the flip side, we had a really, I would say a, a, a similar Defensive effort from previous games and and that it was largely very good. Um, A lot of shutdown drives from Michigan. They really only had three drives that scored points all day. Um, They allowed um, Hassan Haskins, their number one back, to run for 156 yards, which is not great. A long of 17 yards, not great, but it's not horrible either. You know, I mean... We limited their very potent rushing attack. Meanwhile, uh, McNamara, Cade McNamara, their quarterback, um, he was 19 of 29 for 65%. So we didn't do a lot to disrupt his, pass, his passing, but he still only gained 217 yards through the air. So, uh, you know, again, our our, our our comparable total offense between Michigan and and Penn State was pretty, pretty close. Uh, we held them to 21 points, which is their second lowest total of the season next to guess who, bro? Uh, Rutgers, yeah, you knew that.
0: <laughs> that I, I asked you that beforehand. And you knew it off the top of your head. Yeah, Rutgers allowed Michigan to score only because 20. I remember. I remember thinking to myself that Rutgers could beat Michigan. They were Rutgers was yeah. playing well up to that point in the season, and they to me they posed a threat because their defense looked good prior to the Michigan game, and they actually were good in the Michigan game. I think Michigan may not have scored in the second half of that game potentially. So yeah. I, I mean, so
1: outside of that Rutgers game, though, uh, Michigan has been scoring points in bunches, even in their loss to Michigan State. So, it, you know, the, the fact that our defense was, was able to hold. was a questionable
0: loss, by the way.
1: Yeah, I understand. Um, you know, Harbaugh Remic. had a lot of thoughts about that after the fact. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, nonetheless, um, you know, our defensive performance was was pretty close to being what it needed.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, so you hold like, a team to twenty-one points, and you right. like even if even if we a were top at our six t- team, a right. top six team, right? Yeah, to yeah. Even points. if we were were averaging our season average, it, we would have won the game. And our season average was not great. I think I think going into last week's game, it, we were averaging twenty-six points per game, roughly, something like that. And yeah. uh, so you know, so, so we, could, uh, we had the we we should have gotten it done essentially. Yeah. Uh, so on the biggest
1: scale, like time of possession between both teams was nearly identical, slightly in favor of Michigan. Total yards, nearly identical, slightly in favor of Michigan. The game was close all the way through. It was a one-score game all the way through. And, and the final, it, we, it was a loss by four points. But like, And we're going to get into some of the ways that those big-picture comments break down. But um, on the whole, it just looked like Penn State was a little less composed. They were less efficient on offense. They squandered more opportunities, and they made a few critical Bad calls in key moments, and well, in the end, all of those all of those mistakes cost us, and we lost.
0: Do you think? Do one you one. think this was the kind of game that Franklin got out coached, or Franklin out coached himself? <laughs> because, <laughs> because, I, am I'm serious. I'm, I'm, oh my I'm gosh, it's hard to say, dude. It's hard because, to say because because Harbaugh has been typically a like get out coached type of. Coach for That's Michigan. That's True, and that was that was one of the headlines. It was like Harbaugh
1: finally manages to win the big one in a critical moment. But
0: was it though? Like in the in yeah. the in this landscape of, of, it's like I don't I don't I don't think it's worth giving Harbaugh the due credit, so to speak. Because I think you got to put the due credit to the guy that just allowed. But let's put it this way: the Michigan football team played a more. Um, sound football game than we did. A
1: hundred percent, a hundred percent.
0: So they didn't, they did not let themselves get beat. We yeah. beat ourselves, and to me, that's doesn't necessarily show that that Harbaugh did a better job coaching than Franklin. Even though I agree he did, I just don't think he out coached Franklin. I think he just well, had his team ready to play sound I mean, football.
1: Look, I, there, there are any number of things that you could look at in this particular game that cost us. Absolutely, um, you know, and. What I'd like to do is sort of, uh, kind of move to a, kind of the next phase of talking about um, the the Michigan recap and 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 thinking about how it connects to the wider uh, themes through the season. Is that we again we we saw some of the things we've seen throughout the season, particularly over this, uh, four game losing skid, uh, having lost four out of the last five. What are some, but even you can, you can project those back to earlier in the season as well. And just, it didn't cost us in some of those closer games. But, uh, one, one of those themes I would say is a close, but no cigar kind of mentality or kind of effect, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this was a close loss. We were in position to win the game. We could have won the game had things gone slightly different. And you could say the same thing about our previous three losses as well. Certainly against Iowa, which is a three-point loss. Definitely against Illinois, which was a two-point loss. And even... The Ohio State was a two score loss. We lost by nine. There were moments in that game where the game could have shifted. It, it, you know, the win was within our grasp, you know, going into you know partway through the fourth quarter. You know, one or two key plays against Iowa, one or two key plays against Illinois on either defense or offense, you know, would have turned those things into win. And we just
0: we just couldn't <laughs> we couldn't pull it out. It was close well, to no cigar. Are we are we prepared to talk about why yet? Or are you still listing things off? <laughs> we're still
1: listing things off. We're keep, we're gonna, keep going. We're gonna, yeah. So, going. so here's the other theme. Another thing we saw. All right, an inconsistent run game and a questionable committee uh, lineup. All right. Um, John Lovett was starting that game. He was in the game a lot in the first half, um, and in w- times when he was in, I mean, John Lovett might be the best guy ever. He might be a really talented running back who's just not in a, a good system. This is not to like hate on John Lovett, but nonetheless in our situation in this game on Michigan when he was in he had he had a key drop he missed some blocks it was not good meanwhile Kevon Lee had 88 yards rushing 4.4 yard average um against and, the good um, Michigan run defense you, you know why we didn't see more of Lee is really really
0: um, well, well, head scratching, and and then meanwhile, what's just perplexing. Just, we, what's perplex? Hold on. What's perplexing about that, that Lee Lovett conversation, Andy, is that Lovett didn't play Penn State football until this summer. Why yeah. was a guy who hasn't wasn't c- recruited by and contributed to our, this football team for more than you know a summer? Why wasn't he given the benefit of the doubt? To go and help us win games, which is what he did last year for the final four game stretch, was he was the reason we were able to start winning games. He was he was the, you know, gave us that extra element that that you know, took some pressure off Clifford, and and it did, they just were reluctant to give him that, um, you know, that opportunity. It was just kind yeah, of. I mean, it's one thing
1: if like John Lovett were head and shoulders above the other running backs. You know, right like right. but but we we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that either in terms of like it yeah, no production no in terms of yeah. over the course of the game. We haven't seen it in terms of um, you know, his
0: yards per carry. And in this game you know, he was a liability. He dropped yeah, he re- first downs, he, he dropped a touchdown, he dropped you know, he, he missed he dude, he missed some very critical blocks. And and got got Clifford, you know, smashed Blown up. Yeah, and totally. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that Kevon Lee is uh, like the greatest running back of all time, but I just it's the eye test will, you know, clearly show that Lee should be the guy. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, and it our shouldn't total- have taken ten games to figure that out.
1: Meanwhile, our total rushing attack produced only 109 yards. Um, a lot of that got taken off for that 18-yard loss by Jordan Stout on that fake and then the sacks. But nonetheless, the, the net of 109 yards rushing is, um, again, continuing the poor uh, performance in the, in the running game. Um, another common theme through the season, here we're getting, getting a little closer to the mark, um, just questionable play calling. All right, Um, you know, and and a a couple of sub points at the questionable play calling. First of all, uh, it seemed like we're continuing to rely on long developing pass plays. You know, so some game planning questions. Why are we continuing to put those, especially when our offensive line showed they couldn't handle Michigan? We risked sacks, injury to Clifford. We're risking major losses of 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 yardage. Um, You know, and so then the result is they get. Seven sacks, five tackles for loss. We knew they had two like NFL-ready pass rushers on their talent uh, and tr- uh, on either end of the line. Uh, it didn't seem like we did anything to try to mitigate that.
0: How many? Uh, how many times did Michigan pick up a first down on a screenplay? Uh, it was like I a, don't remember. But of time. It felt like a few. It was a bunch of times, and they were running. It was predictable when they were going to run the screen, and it worked for them. You know why people run the screen? Because the they want to take pressure off the quarterback. You know, in terms of like um, they want yeah, to open the up the middle of the field. Yeah, they want to take pressure off the offensive
1: you, line. Use the um, use the um, defenses of aggressiveness against. And
0: itself. Michigan's defense defensive line was far more aggressive than ours. Their their defensive line was coming after Clifford like every all the series time. all day. So all day. neutralize that. Call some plays that neutralize that more often than yeah. not. These long developing pass plays. Like, coming into this game, you should have realized that. should have realized that coming into the game, not le- realizing it in the game. Not only did you not game plan for that coming in, but you didn't make adjustments uh, off of that in the game either.
1: Right, right, exactly. Um, you know, sort of a, su- a subset of that is that we um, we allowed drives to stall on third down because of poor play calls on third down. Okay, we had six trips inside the twenty-five. Of those 6 trips we got 1 touchdown, 3 field goals and 2 empty drives with 0 points.
0: And mind you that right. touchdown was in the 4th quarter when all those other opportunities had already been around like, you know, that was like that was do or die exactly. time. Like that was we exactly. were backs against the wall needed that touchdown and also that 2 point conversion as well.
1: So you know here this and this comes from an article on Victory Bell Rings um, some good analysis. Uh, I don't have the author's name in front of me, but um, here here were our third down calls in those situations. Third and four at the Michigan fifteen, Clifford sacked for a loss of nine yards. Third and ten at the Michigan twenty five, Clifford sacked for a loss of nine yards. Third and eight at the Michigan twenty eight. Clifford pass complete for a gain of three yards, third and seven at the Michigan 13. Clifford pass incomplete. And the point there is not only are we like putting ourselves in a worse situation or barely improving it. But like if you get close to the first down marker, you might be able to go for it on fourth and keep the game moving and, and, you know, turn what are three points or may end up being zero points because you get sacked out of field goal range (laughs) and turn it into a touchdown. And so what plays are you calling there? And again, those long developing pass plays that don't amount to anything low percentage plays on third down. It just seems like, you know, even those drives that we get into deep into Michigan territory uh, were yielding, uh, you know, very, very minimal results. And I'll just say this is a bit of an outlier for Penn State who's been generally pretty good in the red zone. And uh, on Saturday, it was just, uh, you know, it was just it made you want to pull your hair out to watch how futile it seemed.
0: So, um, you know, it's just it's just like. As for as good as our red zone defense has been this year, our, our, not just our red zone offense, but our red zone play calling, our red zone mentality on offense, our, 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 our inability to, to smell the barn or, or like taste, you know, what, wh- you know, what it's like to have the killer instinct. We just, our defense has em- em- embodied that this season yep. more often than not. And our offense, it's it's a total totally lacking totally lacking to to punch the other team in the mouth when we've got them on their heels. Yeah, you
1: know? yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: you know, and then and, finally, and the games that matter the most, especially. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, I go back to the Auburn game. We had a couple of really interesting and um, we should have won that creative game. Creative play calls, right? You know, like you know, you the Tyler Warren. Um, you know, wildcat, you had um, a couple of trick plays to get us into scoring position. Um, you know, you had a, I think it was a, a Noah Kane or a Kevon Lee run for a touchdown, you know, in a, in a key moment. And, and, and it felt like maybe we were going to turn the corner this season and being able to have that killer instinct and score those touchdowns. But as the season's gone on, it's just seemed like um, that hasn't been the case. And um, you, you know, we have more drives than not that are um, either empty or we're scoring field goals. So, um, the last thing on the offensive side, I, um, and there's one on a uh, theme on the defensive side that I want to talk about. But one of those themes, uh, final theme on the off- offensive side, is just some egregious play calls, <laughs> egregious play calls, bad enough to cost the yeah. game just on their own. You know, and so there were two really critical, um, critical game decisions. Uh, the first of which it didn't necessarily have to be a game-deciding play, um, but it, when you're playing a number six team in the country, you sort of feel like it might be, and that was the the fourth and goal from the two, the fake field goal that ended up losing 18 yards. Now, Michigan didn't end up taking advantage of that drive, but there you are on the two-yard line. And you come away with zero points. Um, you've just held onto the ball for you know almost – 12, 13 minutes to Michigan's like three. So it's like a, a, you know, a three to one um, time of possession at that point. And and at the end of that sequence, you're up three nil, um, not to come away with a touchdown or at least a field goal. And it really, you can sort of point to that moment as the, as the point where momentum swung and Michigan kind of got back on the horse and um, started taking control of the game. They
0: totally made all the appropriate adjustments after that. You know, and one yeah, thing absolutely. One thing Penn State stopped doing on offense after that is I, I think we started turtling um, from a play calling perspective, and I think we st- lost sight of what was working on those first two drives, and namely, what was something that was working was Clifford was getting first downs for us on his yeah feet. with his feet. And yeah. they got away from that, and and then as soon as Clifford started getting sacked, and we started turtling more from uh, both on the coaching uh, staff and on the playing player sta- uh, players players, um, you know, on the field, they stopped, you know, having poise, and then and then they they just lost all of their ability to calm down and, like, you know, execute the plays. And the O-line uh, just got demoralized.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. You know, but, you know, some of those things were still there up to that point. I mean, Clifford was sacked three times on the first drive, and we still came away with three points, <laughs> you know, right, on that right. first drive. So we were Clifford struggling with that stuff. We are struggling with that stuff. But even so, we are at a fourth and two, and the failure to come away with points – at that moment, was uh, it was a turning point, you know. So, so there've been a lot of sort reward of questions. assessment. Yeah, and by the way, Franklin sort of doubled down on this play call, which sort of has irked folks as well. That like, why don't you just acknowledge that was a bad call? And like, okay, if it works, you're a genius, right? And similar to that, um, you know, that fake punt that gained us 18 yards and got us the field goal ultimately. But like, I. I I really think that, you know, at this moment, it's so important to get points. You want to put the ball in your best player's hands.
0: Andy, here's another thing that people haven't been mentioning after the game or even during the game that I noticed was, you know, and this is maybe a worthless point to bring up at this point in time, but at the at the time, it could have made a massive difference. That fourth and two play Fake field goal running from the two yard line What if we were on the one half yard line What if we were on the half yard line Because the yeah. catch to Theo Johnson that he got down to the Quote unquote two yard line um, He actually Was out on the half yard line And if they had If Franklin had like had himself uh, Seen it or seen it on the Replay on on the, on the Jumbotron Or had his coaches up in the press box Called down to him to say hey you need to challenge This spot it, it, talk Interesting. about a, talk about a one and a half yard difference to maybe just running a sneak to getting in. You know, I mean, right. Are I mean, you going to totally run a fake field goal from a, the half yard line? I'm telling you, that's Theo Johnson, fascinating. Theo Johnson was out on the half yard line. I'm telling you,
1: it, it makes me want to go back and and watch that to confirm. I think you should. Um, I didn't. I watched I didn't it. Notice it.
0: Well, here, but I mean, even so, and we were just like, too angry about the fake field goal at that point in time to even <laughs> right, address to talk it. about it. <laughs> but like,
1: even backing up, like, okay, so let's say, let's say the two yard was the right call, or let's say Franklin didn't notice it. But like, look, on that very drive, uh, Kevon Lee had a number of very successful runs, four or five yard runs. Right. Uh, Theo Johnson had a had a pair of of catches one for 19 yards one for seven yards and by the way sean clifford had a 19 yard scramble as well on that drive and so you had actually some really really solid offensive production on those probably our best looking drive of the day by the way and you in terms put
0: the he- ball in the hands of your special teams fake field goal unit that you've not run a fake field goal all year in bad weather in bad yeah, weather just,
1: <laughs> that's what i'm saying so so very i mean at the very least, like, let's, I mean, obviously they decided they want to get seven out of this. And what, so what's the best way to get seven, right? Uh, you know, yes, the, the reward of the fake is you catch Michigan off balance and you get an easy seven. But, like, the risk is you fumble the ball and give up a scoop and score, which we almost did.
0: Yeah, that you know, would have been at truly least if, demoralizing.
1: At least, if you run the ball, you put the ball on the two yard line. And you right. maintain field position, you know, and and so it just it totally changed the tone of the game at that point. And, and mind um, you, it was a you- major, major call. And I think I, I just think that's a very it's a very questionable in game decision. Going back to this overall like play calling, questionable play calling umbrella.
0: And mind you, we had already run a fake earlier in the drive, like. What's the percentage of running two fakes in the same drive and and getting, you know, a hundred hitting hundred percent on those plays, especially against a, as we have now seen a a, a good Michigan team? And I, it was I, the
1: previous drive for the record. Oh, but was it? I,
0: I yeah, oh, I it was The first drive that we I did. The, the I'm, fake sorry, punt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Still, you're right. Still, same game, same quarter, right? Yeah. So. And,
1: and like, so the other teams like they're 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 alert to something like that. When, by the way kicking a field goal on the two in a game like that is like, obviously, Hey guys, watch for the fake, because it seems weird that they're not going for it here. You know, um, the other, the other egregious play call of course, was the fourth and two with a game on the line at the end of the game. Um, and it was effectively the last offensive play of the day. Uh, Jahan Dotson had, had previously gotten injured. I I haven't heard that he's out for the season or anything like that hopefully he's okay but what you did is you put um cam sullivan brown and malik mega two guys that that might be just wonderful talented guys but who have hardly contributed at all to penn state this season you know game on the line hardly is an
0: understatement hardly is an understatement between the two of them they have five catches on the season
1: so you so those two guys are out there on this fourth and two play, and then you call a play that that requires Cam Sullivan Brown to to beat the Michigan, uh, you know, defender in one on one coverage and a very low percentage. You uh, had and you, hadn't, and and you I, hadn't done
0: it all game on, on a play like that,
1: correct? You hadn't completed so, a
0: pass like that all game.
1: It's not even a double move or anything. Right. It's just a go. Yeah, you know, and so like. And meanwhile, like, I, and I don't know, like, it's possible that Sean Clifford had, like, two or three or four options, right? So some of this might yeah, be call on time Sean out Clifford. to figure
0: it out, too. Gosh, man.
1: I mean, yeah. I, I, at a minimum, call timeout. Get yourself together. But, like, you know, by the way, Parker Washington, I, I haven't reviewed it, but it looked like he was on, a, like, a quick slant and was... Open for two yards. I think Theo Johnson was in there, you know, and settling in, you know, for for an easy pass. You can just put it like eight feet in the air, let him go up and, and, and grab it. It's just a lot. Be- so whether or not it was the call from the sideline and Clifford's decision or whether it was just the call in general, you want to see in that moment a much better play call and execution that keeps the drive going on fourth and two at your own 30 or whatever. Um, so it was just a very, very um, and again, like you you lost possession um, you still had a chance maybe to um, stop them with your three timeouts. Uh, defense wasn't able to stop them. That was, but effectively uh, that was the end of the game. Offense never got the ball back. Um, so one more um, sort of, theme of the season, and this one goes to the defense. It's hard to criticize a defense that has been so good for so much of the season.
0: It's impossible to criticize them because our offense has put them in poor positions in all of our losses. And and again, we've
1: already said holding Michigan to 21 points was a really, really tremendous effort. Totally. Um, However, however, all season, the defense has – has had a tendency for their bend but don't break mantra to break at at just the wrong time. Like in the Iowa game. You know, we we just had a critical breakdown, like in the Ohio State game. We just gave up two. And then here this, you know, with the game on the line, the defense breaks down their coverage and you get a guy wide well, open for a 47-yard 47-yard yeah. touchdown catch. Yeah.
0: So I mean and on uh a- the go-ahead touchdown. Um, I think the guy's name was Eric All. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So I, who the heck was that? <laughs> That's his first touchdown all season, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you know, we have a true freshman cornerback out there who yeah. has who has made some. Costly mistakes in some of our other games uh, both in the, the, the pass interference Excuse me pass interference department and in um, just being like having a blown coverage department And here we are, you know inside of four minutes. We're up by three Michigan's driving and you know, Michigan calls the perfect play Against a true, you know, the true freshman coverage they run. Yep. They run the, the number 83 Eric all in motion uh, Pre snap and you know that makes Kalen King, who's on man coverage with him, have to cross through our linebacking, linebacking second uh, level. He gets he runs right into one of our linebackers and gets hung up, and that's all the separation that guy needed to to get the edge and for Kalen King to not have the the right you know angle to be able to stop him for at at worst a first down to give our defense a chance in the red zone. You know, then the defense didn't even get a chance in the red zone. It was one guy that blew the coverage based on a great play call by you know our former wide receiver coach <laughs> Yeah, I mean it it was a good call at a
1: good time, and obviously the play worked to perfection. But having and why do you have a true
0: freshman out there in these moments? Why why was Malik Mega out there? Why was Cam Sullivan out there? Why are these players out there in these moments? Why is John Lovett out there when his you know this season is on the line in this game? And you can literally climb back into some sort of a of a of a good season by beating Michigan and beating Michigan State. But here we are making the wrong decisions at all the most critical. Junctures in this game.
1: Yeah, um, there were a couple other things I think you know that just you know led to to this being. A- an outcome that we didn't want. Um, And some of those things were different from previous points in the season. One was we've already talked about the putrid pass protection, uh, which hasn't been phenomenal this season, but it was horrifically bad. Um, Already talked about the seven sacks. And let's not forget about the intentional grounding call. There was a holding call that would have been a sack um, that put us in a, you know, second and a mile or third and a mile. I can't remember which, Um, you know, I, I think the low passing totals of this, game can be explained almost entirely by QB pressures. And so some of that is game planning, but some of that's just the offensive line just having their worst game of the season in pass protection. I think
0: that's game and planning. I, to me, I think yeah, that you yeah. already know your offensive line is uh, some of that's mostly garbage at this point. And like your some players aren't play performing calling. up to their talent levels and skill sets. Yeah. Our, ta- our tackles looked like like I was watching Rutgers' offensive line from three years ago.
1: Uh, Exactly. And then, and then, you know, we also, our red zone defense has been stellar all year. Um, But, you know, Michigan had three drives that scored points. Two of them got into the end zone and ended with two touchdowns. And for some reason, we were just unable to, you know, keep them from getting into the end zone. Um, You know, so again, Big picture. Did the defense lose us this game? No. It was the offensive production or I should say non production, but
0: yet yeah, there were just some key things that were just Yeah, well this is what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about coaching. Well, we're talking about the yeah. coaching. So let's move along. Well, let's move along. It's time. It's time to
1: take a closer look. And um yeah, there's only one way to, to do this, bro, and that's that's to do it as a blue and white breakdown, focusing on coaching. Blue and white breakdown. All right, and we have a title for this blue and white breakdown, and the title of this blue and white breakdown is "Quite Franklin."
0: Yeah, because, <laughs> because, because Quite Franklin, we, he needs an <laughs> intervention. Yeah, well, and like what we've seen is it's not
1: just this season, but it we've, we've it's pretty clear now to say there are some Franklin franklin's things Clint- like Frank should we call him Franklonian? Clonian? <laughs> yeah, that 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 we're seeing the results of of James being quite Franklin. He's being himself. We've you know we've seen what these things are. Well, and- so much
0: so that I've decided to start just calling him Frank because <laughs> to be Frank, <laughs> to be Frank, yes. he is he is just like continually adding to this narrative. That forever I was trying to defend, that I no longer can. He's just adding to this narrative that he makes boneheaded decisions in game. Well, I,
1: I think what we want to do in this breakdown is try to, th- try to talk about and think about, you know, what some of those things are. And, and I think just setting in context for everyone right now, and Tom and I have talked about this, uh, you know, ahead of the podcast over the last couple of days. And, and neither of us are in a, in a Fire Franklin mode, okay? In fact, and we might get I, into some.
0: In fact, I've thought the opposite of firing Franklin so much so. Oh yeah, we, Wait, don't, don't Tom has a
1: Tom has a theory. <laughs> Tom has a theory. We'll, hold I, have up. A <laughs> <But> <laughs> I have a
0: radical idea, but I have a radical idea, Andy, and we'll get yeah, into your so, stuff. But just real quick. <laughs>
1: Well, I just want to say that that both of us are are there are a lot of things about Franklin that we appreciate and um you know firing him getting rid of Franklin we don't think is necessarily the right call but we want to we want to look at reality here and 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 sort of get a gut check here. So, um I think <laughs> so you're going
0: to lay on us, huh? I think so. What better time than now? We shouldn't fire Franklin. Well, no, no. No, no. I mean, this is problem solving. Let's get yeah. into diagnosing
1: the problem first. Yeah.
0: So the problem is that Franklin is great between Sunday and Friday. You know, in yeah. the in the operations aspect of the football program, all these he creates a great culture. He has great relationships with his players and his players' families, and his great relationships with his coaches. Um, yeah, you saw
1: that last week with Jahan Dotson and absolutely. his record game, and how like how much Jahan was was expressing love. His for Franklin players love Franklin him. for yeah, minus yeah, minus real. minus, minus is Christian
0: Hackenberg. His players love him. <laughs> all right, so you know, I, I mean. But so, and look at his recruiting class, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, he can recruit. I mean, number number one recruit. uh, And and coming off of such a bad season last year, he still was able to craft an incredible recruiting class. So the guy does a lot of things very well, and I don't think anybody will dispute that. We, however, we also cannot dispute the fact that he has maybe. He is what he is from a coaching standpoint in the sense that he has not corrected his own deficiencies and faults as a game-day coach, in my opinion. So, So here's the solution, Andy. Well, hold on. Don't, hold on with I'm I'm gonna, we're gonna this. To get we're we're going to drag this out. We're going to drag this <laughs> out.
1: Because, like, let's talk about some of those game day issues that just, you know, we saw again this per, this past week um, and, and we've seen over the course of his tenure. What, I mean, one of those is just, again, record and close games. So we're getting close, but in those close moments, we don't. We don't get over the hump in those close games. you got to win the close games against top competition, right? And so um th- Tom, you threw out some statistic of of how he was in close games or his record in close games. you have that with you
0: um his well, so yeah, I do basically, you know dating back to the 2016 season once you know we started getting good and all that kind of stuff franklin has had himself many games that were very winnable against you know very good opponents and here's here's a few of them you know since the 2016 big 10 championship game penn state has lost a total of 13 games in front of fans out of those losses 10 have been decided by 5 points or less so that's not saying you know that's not even factoring in um, last week or t- excuse me the, the Ohio State loss that was winnable this year. It's not even factoring that game. And this is just these closer ones, the, the five One points or games. less. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- obviously the um, the Rose Bowl, fifty-two to forty-nine, um, two thousand seventeen. Um, Ohio State 27 to 26 um, uh, excuse me was that 27 was that that year anyways there were two games against Ohio State since then one was when we lost 39 to 38 the other we lost 27 to 26 the Minnesota game in 2019 31 to 26 uh, we had two games against Michigan State where one we lost 21 to 17 the other we lost 24 to 21 we had the Iowa game this year 23 to 20. Um, we had the Kentucky Bowl game 27 to 24, we had this year's I- Illinois game 20 to 18 and of course yesterday's 21 to 17 loss.
1: So So again, like what goes to the what goes to the reason behind those those losses? Some of those are the things we've just been talking about like, you know, uh, critical decisions, at critical plays, making the wrong call, um, not having the killer instinct. Um Tom, you've spoken about Franklin's sideline demeanor. You know, it
0: just like it it's it it lacks sh- like the you you need to display some sort of like aura that your t- your players can look at when they look at Franklin disassociating from the team with his finger with his arms crossed and his his his, his like bewildered scowl or whatever it is face that he's making that is obviously not a positive one. It bleeds <laughs> like his. Not safe for work. O M F G. Yeah, that was that. After was, the even wor- real. That's worse. That's that's like that's not even the, the that's not the standard. The other standard is bad enough. That, that I, I just think that you know when you're I'm not a father Andy but you are a father. You have to set an example of how to act, behave, how to hold yourself, how to what what your your posture, your demeanor, all of those things matter. You know, body language matters and how you can, like, you know, going into battle, Andy, if my leaders aren't displaying the kind of leadership that they want to see from their troops, you're probably not going to have a very, uh, you know, good performance on the battlefield, you know, because you're, cause you, maybe your guys are, are scared because their leader's a little timid, you know, and and it just bleeds down. It bleeds down through the the team, and I think that because of that, Franklin's a, a bit of a limiting factor for how far this team can actually go with the talent that he has, because he's holding the team back, and and in some cases with his not just his play, you know his play calling, his game planning, um, but also his his demeanor on the sideline. You if you if you're not exemplifying what you want to see from your team. You're just not going to see it from your team.
1: So let's hear your not-fire-Franklin solution to resolving these problems.
0: Franklin's great at a lot of things for Penn State, and he's done a, he done a great job in all of these other departments. So don't fire him. Promote him. Promote <laughs> James Franklin to the first-ever radical football operations general manager position. I, listen, I'm not I'm not saying that that actually is possible. I don't even know if there's rules preventing that kind of thing. But the athletic director is in charge of how many other sports within Penn State's uh, athletic department? A lot. They are controlling the whole athletic department. That's not a general manager of the football team. The, the, like, all these NFL teams have general managers for a reason. And the coaches that take on GM jobs, those coaches flounder more often than not. Because it's too freaking hard. And in this day and age of college football, where there's so much nuance, so many ins and outs, transfers, uh recruiting, um gl- glad handing donors, and, and all this, there's so much stress on a head coach that maybe Franklin's not putting enough effort in the offseason to make himself a better head coach on game day. He's doing all these other things to, to excuse me, doing all these other things to create a great program. But that's not translating into wins on Saturday to take this team to the next level.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating, I mean, I think it's just a fascinating uh, take. It's a fascinating approach. I wonder how much basis in reality that opportunity obviously, has. I obviously know. don't
0: expect that to happen, potentially even in my lifetime you know uh, you know i, I mean but <laughs> or ever. so so you know it's it,
1: I, that it'd be fascinating to explore and maybe penn state could be uh you know a groundbreaker in that and i think franklin in a lot of respects would be a great gm although gms generally aren't the ones who have a relationship with the players and that seems to be but part of But maybe that's what, franklin, what would
0: be different about a, a, a like a college, college football, football GM, or gm or something you, yeah, you know they uh-huh. if they are recruiting the players then they definitely have an individual relationship with the players I, you know Think about the, the, it.
1: The, <laughs> I mean,
0: it's imagine interesting. Ursich, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying for the sake of this discussion or argument, sure, or whatever sure. you want to call it. Imagine Jomo or Urošić being the head coach, running the day to day, running the, running the game plan, running the 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 plays, calling the plays, call, like knowing when to call timeouts, knowing what plays to call in critical p- deci- decision moments. You know, I just you know, and Franklin running running the show like he I. There, is there anyone better at doing Franklin's job besides uh, in terms of the non-game day stuff uh, r- r- other than like fr- um, Nick Saban, maybe Dabo Sweeney, you know, Ryan Days, the Urban Myers, you know, but those guys are also good game day coaches, too. Yeah, so it's a, I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, and But those are the outliers. Know. Those are not those are those are the exceptions to the rule. Right. Oh, that's that's kind of that's kind of my point. How how many coaches every year get fired because they don't produce on the field, but everybody likes them outside of what their you know game day performances have been? Weird. So here, here's why I think it's interesting, even more so than just Franklin's good at these things. It can create stability within the. the 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 football uh, room you know the football program it can create stability that even when if you fire a coach there is some still leveling of the, the 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 ship not sinking you don't have to like totally rewrite your whole program if the GM is driving the culture and the recruiting and the you know the the relationships with the with the high school players and the high school coaches and the high school families you know there there can be some some stability there that you don't have to just like keep uprooting all of these players um foundations that the current p- college players foundations within the the football program because like i mean how steve Sarkeesian he was just hired he might get fired this year how many coaches has texas gone through they have no stability for the players
1: you know i i mean again i think it's a really fascinating concept i think there's It'd be really interesting to think about and, you know, who knows, maybe that sort of thing does begin to develop. I mean, the complexity of the modern college football game has shown and and, I mean, the, the coaching carousel is is, you know, running faster and faster by the moment. It just seems more and more unsustainable. But that kind of structural change is 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 really hard to, um, move into. And it's, you know, probably unrealistic to expect, um, particular with Penn state being in a season of transition in the administration that you see something like that. And so like, you know, there's a, do you remember the old facts of life TV show? You know, you take the good, you take the bad, like that's the facts of life. And so like part of what we have is in, in Franklin is someone who's has some real good things and then he has some things that are not quite so good. And and what are we going to do about that as fans? Are we going to continue to say, you know, I like the good more than I like the bad, or are we going to say, let's try our hand again at the, uh, you know, coaching carousel. And I just like, you know, there's some context for what we're seeing beyond just Franklin, you know, Franklin had some good years to start. He's had two really not good years. And um, but Franklin's not alone in that. And just look around the college football landscape this year, all right? Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, two guys that were the golden boys of uh, the college football world, having bad years this year. And Lincoln Riley has only lost one game, but he, you know, his offensive mojo and his quarterback whisper ways—they're failing him this year. But then you look below that level, and you look at Dan Mullen at Florida. He was supposed to be the guy to save. The uh program, you know, turn it turn it back around. Uh not so much. Ed Orgeron, two seasons out of national championship winning, and 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 he's already gone. Gary Patterson at TCU, very well regarded coach, he's already gone. Clay Helton at USC, by the way, the guy that beat Franklin back in 2016, um, had some decent seasons between now and then, not great season. He's gone. Mark Stoops at Kentucky, doing some great things early on in the season. Now Kentucky's going through a losing streak. Matt Campbell at Iowa, excuse me, Iowa State. Iowa State was supposed to be making a run this year and they are, you know, more than, uh, you know, middling this year. Mack Brown at UNC, the second coming. I mean, really, it's a second time at UNC and they were in a top 10 spot. And look at them, they're they're barely hanging on to, you know, be middle of the pack in the ACC this year. And then you get, as you just mentioned, Steve Sarkeesian as Texas makes its, you know, a- attempt to go to the SEC and Texas looks pathetic. I bring all these guys up, bro. I'm going to let you get your word in here. But I bring all these guys to say, like, it's not just Franklin who's having trouble Putting it all together this year, yeah, you got guy- a whole host of of extremely well regarded coaches getting fired or, you know, dramatically missing expectations.
0: Do you remember how hot the seat felt for, um, you know, uh, Paul Crist this season after he started, you know, so poorly? Um, you know, they they lost. Right. They lost some- at Wisconsin. Yeah. And they, he was on the hot seat. Their whole family was like, "We gotta get rid of this guy. Got to get rid of this guy." You know, they lost us uh, sixteen to, to ten. They lost to uh, uh, Notre Dame forty-one to thirteen. They lost to Michigan thirty-eight to seventeen. And then they've won every single one of their games since. Graham Mertz was thought to be just a total bust. They have been blowing people out. They they murdered Purdue. They walloped Iowa after after uh, Iowa beat us. They pummeled Rutgers fifty-two to three. They shellacked uh, Northwestern thirty-five to seven, and they have a they could still win their their division. You know they could still go to the Big Ten championship game and win the Big Ten potentially. So you know th- the reason I bring that up is Wisconsin got better this season. They became a better team. Franklin reached, Franklin and Penn State this season reached ranked fourth in the country, lost a heartbreaker, and essentially sits, since then the wheels have fallen off. The Maryland game, eh, it's Maryland, right? You know, we have lost four of the last five. Franklin's inability to stem the tide of momentum, either losing it or, I mean, he can't even, he cannot use momentum. He doesn't know how to, to, to continue the, the snowball into be, making his team become a juggernaut. Whereas these other teams, uh, Wisconsin is is one of them, has figured out how to get the ball rolling and become a ju- they're a juggernaut right now. It's crazy, you know how, how good Mertz has been playing and how good Wisconsin's been playing, and they've even had critical players be injured. So they're doing it team wide. So it's just like that. That to me is this. Both in game, Franklin cannot has not had teams be able to capitalize on the momentum, as we outlined with all those close losses. That by the way we were uh, ahead in the fourth quarter in the majority of those games that I listed out for you, and and in the season he cannot maintain momentum or build on momentum. So so well, I mean. You know, I, I think the point is well it's taken. I mean, the a, Wisconsin, it's worse the than a Wisconsin trend. example,
1: the Wisconsin example is a is a fascinating one, and certainly Penn State has not gotten better. But I, I, I'm just trying to say, like James Franklin is someone who is in pretty significant company. I mean, we've said all season, and and the national media have said all season how topsy-turvy this season is and 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 you you gotta wonder like what is it about this season i mean is it just james franklin or is it part of something bigger and and i think at least part of it is something much bigger the first than just penn state and just james franklin and i mean i mean i felt it in my own life i i don't know how much you felt it in your life but like you know this has been a year of trying to come back from you know, an international pandemic that is still hanging around, you know, and one of the dynamics I've talked about this with uh, my wife, Eileen is that like we have these expectations for the way that we want our life to go, particularly in the things that we want to have that we rely on other people for And we have very little patience or tolerance when those expectations aren't met. And by the way, those expectations are higher this year than they were in years past because of how bad last year was.
0: And because we knew that team also had high expectations, so we had the majority of those players back to be able to contribute to a higher expectation season this year, and we've fallen on our faces yet again.
1: Yeah, Well, but what I'm saying is that, that that's mirroring a bigger reality in our world right now. You know, I mean, look, like supply chain and like customer service and things like that. I mean, it's like we're not getting what we want and anywhere right now. That's fine. That's fine. And, and, and like, but what, so where, where I'm trying to build here is like we, we've kind of developed this sort of adolescent temperament where we want what we want. We want it now. We want it better than it's been. But we're also unwilling and unable to get ourselves to also do the kind of, work and ourselves like we're giving see. ourselves a pass yeah. we're giving ourselves i mean i'm not talking about we're not playing on the football field you know it's like obviously you know but in, but our like, own in, life, in our, lives, in our own like, lives
0: are we doing more than what is expected of us
1: exactly we're giving ourselves i mean i personally i'm still having trouble getting the energy i had in my life two years ago like it's you know the my general sort of ability to bring all of myself to to what I'm doing in all parts of my life. It's just harder. We've had a year and a half of extremely difficult loss and all those things in our culture. There's just a general malaise. There's a general kind of cultural collective depression. And, you know, so we're, we're giving ourselves the time and permission to, you know, kind of work through it. But meanwhile, when we look out at everyone else, we want them to give us what we want when we want it more and better than it was before you know and i think i i I think that these coaches and these football programs are dealing with this exact same thing how do you get you know 120 football players to give you higher than average um performance in this circumstance and these coaches in their own lives and all they're dealing with how do you know how hard it is just in a regular circumstance to do that? you know, catch lightning in a bottle you know, and, and this year, you know, it's even hard. I'm just saying that's what we're seeing reflected in all of these programs and all of these coaches. And meanwhile, the fan base wants no excuses and no explanation and guys are getting fired. And who's to say you're going to be in any better position next year. Maybe you will, but what are the odds that you'll be even worse because you're starting all over?
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like, you know, the, the idea that, uh, um but ye who are without uh you know fault or whatever sin cast, sin, the, first cast the first stone <laughs> um, yeah right I, I mean but so, so I, for some reason i was reminded when i was thinking about that uh i was reminded of a quote from and i've never read the book personally but i believe it's a direct quote from the book in the movie the count of monte cristo and Ooh, and there book too there is um <laughs> By the way, it's regarded as the f- the first book written about purely revenge. I think um, interesting, and and you know the, we thought to this year would be a kind of a revenge tour. It Obviously, was not <laughs> uh, a revenge tour. Not. You, uh, you know, but <laughs> yeah. here's the quote: here's Redemption, the quote. And, yeah, redemption. Awesome. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and I'll have to wait for another year, I guess. You know, the, the quote that uh, is you know life is a storm, my young friend. You will bask in the sunlight one moment. Be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when that storm comes. You must look into yeah. that storm and shout as you did in your in Rome, do your worst, for I will do mine. Then the fates will know you as we know you. So, I mean, it's certainly like <laughs> the idea of firing Franklin doesn't correct anything that has uh, that, that has happened this season, doesn't correct anything that has happened in previous seasons, and doesn't necessarily correct anything that's that's gonna be happening in future seasons. But firing Franklin is the, you know, I don't even know if it's possible. I'm not lobbying for him to be fired, but I don't even know if it's possible because we have, you know, an open presidential position coming up, a lame duck AD, and that quote that I just read to me really like Franklin's in the storm right now. Yeah, Franklin is in the storm. Going all the way back to last season, right? (laughs) Right. He's in it. He's in it. And what he needs to do. To to he needs to shout back into that storm and say, Do your words for I will do mine. And when he when we that quote says, I will do mine, he needs to self-diagnose and self-reinvent. He needs to take take a long hard look at what he, his own inadequacies or deficiencies as a game day coach. Are, and I need to see him do that because he hasn't done that and only when he starts to do that and 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 is, has honest conversations within himself you know as is very hard to do by the way from any, anyone's perspective it's hard to look at your own you know inadequacies deficiencies you know shortcomings and correct them and be open about them and not trying to like beat around the bush about them that's what Franklin needs to do in order to take this this team this program to the next and himself to the next level because he's got yeah, talent to do it. He just needs to correct his own little, he needs to tweak some things.
1: I I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And it really is, you know, for, and for any leader, really, honestly, the, for any authentic leader, It's to lead from the front. It's, it's the internal journey that is more important than the external. And, and particularly when you're at the end of yourself, the only way, the only path forward is, Uh, inside out you know so uh,
0: Saban and Bill Belichick were not like they didn't figure it out uh, their first stints as head coaches they weren't like great you know they 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 had some of the blocks that were there for building greatness but they weren't what they are now 20 years ago 15 years ago you know um yeah and that and let me just say that
1: list of coaches that I just rattled off is an example of how few people really have it figured out right. right now. Right, right, right. And the landscape is more complex than it's ever been. I mean, you've got, you know, the expansion of the playoff. You've got uh, name, image, likeness. You've got, you know, the the, the offensive um, revolution that continues to evolve and those types of things. You've got the coaching carousel and, you know, billions of dollars being uh, kind of shoved into this um you know major college football world that 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 creates all this kind of chaos like it's 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 more and and then coming off of you know two seasons of covid uh, you know it's just more complex than ever and like you know some of that sideline demeanor to me tells me franklin is someone who doesn't have the answers about what to do to get where he wants to go but the truth is there aren't really easy answers to be found anywhere. And and so I think if, if Franklin is going to be the guy to get us over the hump, and he very well could be. I mean, he's been here seven years. This is where you sort of figure out who you are and who you have as an organization. Are you going to stick with him for the long haul and find a way to get over the hump? Now's the time. But I, I agree with you, bro. It's got to be, Franklin's got to work within himself to either improve those areas in himself, you know, of like how, figuring out how you, Build momentum when it's gone. I don't know. I don't know if figuring out how you make those sideline calls in the moment, whether it's him or whether it's someone else in his organization, you know, playing to your strengths, managing around your weaknesses. It starts within. And I and I hope Franklin, I mean, we've got two games left that you don't do a lot of that in the midst of this onslaught of 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 a season. But yeah, the hope is that in this off season, he does a different kind of self reflection than maybe he did last season,
0: and he can and no longer remain to decisions. be just on the cusp. He can no longer, yeah. like sur- he can't survive another season of just being on the cusp. So, so I think he he will survive unless somebody hires him away. And and mind you, this is unsubstantiated, but I, there have been a couple of really really soft rumors that he apparently might. Again, I'm unsubstantiated rumor that he might have had a contract extension on the table after the Iowa game, just to, so another team wouldn't have poached him when his name was really hot and heavy in the in the uh, the ranks of all these, you know, teams that are looking for a new head coach, USC, LSU, whatever. Um, but uh, since then, he has done that conversation no favor. Um, apparently, obviously, he has not signed a contract extension to our knowledge, um, and 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 these these other teams might not be looking for Franklin at this point. Potentially, again, all well substantiated rumors. There are enough
1: openings and potential openings That's around true. college football that, 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 that Franklin, if he wants out, he pro- now will he get a better deal? Would he get a better situation? I don't know. Well, here's
0: here's what but, he he lost leverage for though was if indeed he had a contract extension on the table, post Iowa, it would have likely. Um, you know, been a decent one. I don't think he has the leverage to, to 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 sign that deal or get a better deal at this stage in the game. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. I, well, if anything, I, I if anything, what, he should take I mean, a pay cut next year if he doesn't win out for these next two games. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean like a Harbaugh type restructuring, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um.
0: But but I you
1: know I to me I I think Franklin wants to stay at Penn State. I think he wants to do it at Penn State. And the good news is. Does it? Franklin he? has an opportunity. Wouldn't he have signed I that did.
0: contract extension? If it was, if, okay, again, uh, I'm sorry. That's an unsubstantiated rumor. I don't maybe know.
1: Maybe he, right. I mean, we don't know. But also, like, you know, maybe he was just trying to get a better deal for himself, you know? So, but, you know, we are where we are now with Franklin. I, I think he probably wants to do it at Penn State if he is. The it's fan base be, is
0: souring really hard right now.
1: If he can know, win these
0: next two games, maybe there's a little bit of uh, you know tempering of that of that souring. But the fans are, I think. I mean, to your point, to I don't. Status.
1: To your point, I don't think we get another. I, I I don't think he gets another. You know, four loss season as coach. He doesn't have State.
0: that. He doesn't have that leash anymore. Uh, but I. He's I, constantly I think, taking us to to the to the precipice of of greatness. And only to literally puke on himself.
1: <laughs> but again, a lot, you know, all, all the losses were close losses. Some, you know, there were, there were, That's,
0: that they, outlines it I, even I'm just, greater, Andy, that outlines it even greater.
1: I'm just all I'm saying, though, is that we're close and being close, you know, close isn't good enough. And there's no moral victories, of course. But like at the same time, you can be a lot farther than Franklin from being where you want to be. And that's what we got to be careful to avoid. I I also think I also think, you know, um, and we've mentioned this before, but like, you know, I think we're in a presidential transition right now at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandy Barber has indicated that that yeah, she's not the right done to, at the end of her contract. Yeah. It's a lame duck athletic. And we director. have, of course, a, just,
0: a top five recruiting class sitting there waiting to sign. And you know, is Franklin even it able, able to able to no together? But is no Franklin sense. is Franklin being gone going to be able to keep it together? Like we got Drew Alar and Nick Sing. Apparently, Nick Singleton was visiting FSU this past weekend. That's or no, not, I'm sorry, not Nick Singleton. Catron. Uh, Catron Allen, I think is his name. Um, I
1: mean, look, if the, if the, if the recruiting class falls apart, that's a huge knock. But like for the moment, those three factors, the president, the AD, and the recruiting class, strategically, you know, all likelihood if Franklin wants to come back, he's gonna come back. But next year is gonna be, and the hot seat talk will be higher. And especially if you get a new AD who wants to hire his own. Coach, you know, you you may see that, but who knows? Maybe Franklin draws a line in the sand and we get a different approach next year. It'll be interesting to Apparently, see that, but...
0: Apparently, Michigan State is uh, uh, has extended a, uh, an extension contract offer to Mel Tucker in as his name is being brought up for the LSU job a lot. And apparently, they're going to get. He's already getting like five or five and a half million a year. Apparently, Mel Tucker is like in line for a massive contract extension. Um, that's what being nine and one and, and and being in the top ten will do for you.
1: <laughs> well, look, that um, that was an awesome blue and white breakdown. We could keep going, and unfortunately. Sure. I can't do that. I don't know if you we, can do that, bro, get, but I can't do that. We got to move forward.
0: We got we got mail, a mailbag, <laughs> and we got to talk about Rutgers a little bit. We're not going to talk about Rutgers for very long. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, I didn't. We did not scout Rutgers a ton for this week because uh, it's really it, to me, it's not about Rutgers. It's about Penn State and what Penn State has to do. And it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the ball right now because yeah, we, so we've shown over the course of the last five games, four of those losses. Of those five games were all winnable. And it's like we played Illinois the same way we played uh say we played Michigan essentially, you know? (laughs) So it's like
1: Yeah, so so um so let's let's take a little palate cleanser right now and we'll go to that mailbag. We got another uh true and false for you coming up from Joel Bettner. So let's go ahead and open it
0: up. Mailbag time. All right, Joel you know, our recurring constant, (laughs) he has to say, quote, deep breaths. I'm fired up, but I need to remind myself it is just football. The season is a wash. Maybe we make the Dukes Mayo bowl. I'm not happy about it, but at least we aren't Texas. All right. And then he goes on to ask his, uh, you know, and his weekly true or false, which is we will be starting a lot of true freshmen next year. Andy, what do you think?
1: Oh, well, uh, you know, we were looking at um, sort of the senior day possibilities. This, this Saturday is going to be senior day for a lot of guys. We're we're losing a good portion of the team. Um, and um, I think with the strength of this class coming in, I would have to say true. Now, he says a lot of true freshmen. I don't know. What do you consider a lot? Like two, four, six? I, I, I don't know. But we, I think we'll see a good portion of true freshmen, you know, whether it's unusually high number of true freshmen, like where we're doing like eight or 10, I don't know. But yeah, I think we'll see a good number of true freshmen next year.
0: I think it's going to be tough to essentially answer this as I would like, because there's so many unknowns right now, Andy. Like, I I mean, the way we're losing, I, I don't know if I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that this... Like, if you're Drew Alar or if you're Nick Singleton, which are arguably the the first in, uh, of, of their position across the entire country in some cases, um, why would those two guys want to come play for the ugliest offensive line performance ever? <laughs> you know, is what it looked like. It's just like, oh man, we... Our offensive line has looked bad all year long. Against Villanova, our offensive line looked bad. Like, what quarterback wants to get beat up like Sean Clifford? Sean Clifford as a fifth year senior cannot like how many times has that guy got sacked? Anyway, so so to, to answer that question, I don't know how much of that recruiting class is gonna come through. And on top of that, I don't know how many guys are gonna transfer out of the program after this either. So And to uh, that I'm, matter, here's, so here, so here's how, that matter, I answer that. how
1: many guys we're gonna collect from the transfer portal to get into the program.
0: Yeah, I mean, so many. Qu- Here's so many an interesting question
1: marks. point. Just, just on that though, like, I mean, we just mentioned Mel Tucker, and like, look what Mel Tucker did through the transfer portal of recruiting guys to come to Michigan State. Like, some Michigan State was pathetic for the last three, four, five years, and somehow Mel Tucker recruited enough guys to come to Michigan State to to put. Michigan State in a position to be Big Ten champions this year. You know they got two games to do it, and who knows if they will. But I mean, it's it's fascinating how you get guys to come in in a situation like that. Here's how. Here's how I'm gonna. It's not a foregone conclusion, but I agree. It it makes me nervous.
0: Here's how I'm gonna answer Joel's question. I'm gonna say true, but I'm gonna say it. It's going to be underclassmen. We will start a lot of underclassmen, I think, Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing for our win loss total next year. But you know,
1: changes have got to be made. The real here's the real challenge, bro. And we just talked about Franklin not really being able to, um, you know, risk another, uh, you know, four loss season or, or worse. And next year, we. We have some great talent on the team but it could also be a rebuilding year as well. I'm okay to rebuild. I'm shakes. okay
0: to rebuild because this I, I we have not reloaded like in term yeah. and, we're not reloaded well in in terms of uh, creating um championship caliber performances. Um yep. and, and and to me it really really starts at the offensive line position like I, I don't care at yeah, this I agree point, with what, that. what
1: I agree with you, you on know, that.
0: You can't have a good quarterback I mean, Clifford is a good quarterback, and you you can't put it on him to evade that many tacklers, you know, each each play in, in big games. Like the dude has been fighting through injuries each game since the Iowa game. And, like, what do you want him to do? You don't, you're not giving him any help. The game planning, the coaching, the scheme of the blockers, the, the offensive line scheme. Apparently, by the way, when Juricic came in, he totally revamped the whole blocking scheme. So Troutwine didn't even get a, a two-year, you know, jump on his blocking scheme and how he implemented it. So they were starting over from scratch this year. So yeah, what the hell it, is that all about?
1: It's an interesting point. Um, it looks Why like would Franklin we're all allow that to, to happen? It looks like we're all in agreement that um, that true, we'll see a lot of underclassmen, uh, maybe even true freshmen yeah. next year. Let's, and, read, um, let's
0: read Joel's answer here real quick. I'm going to read it on air just because, you know. Do it. Let's he, hear it. Yeah. So he says, true, we will lose an embarrassment um, of underutilized riches to the NFL next year. If we want to build towards a great season, not a good season, within the next four years, this highly touted class will need to gain experience early. Unfortunately, that means going through the growing pains, mistakes, frustration of playing with a true Freshman um, with true freshmen next year. Hopefully, it pays off. I mean, I yeah, I, I think it's very likely we will lose a lot of people to the NFL next year. Redshirt sophomores, red redshirt juniors, redshirt seniors, super seniors, super super seniors. <laughs> it's possible.
1: Well let's um, let's take a look at that now as we look at this uh, Rutgers game. Um, and um, as I already mentioned, um, this is going to be uh, the senior day game. It's our last home game of the season. Uh, Big Ten network at noon. So boy, uh, you, you really worry about a slow start. I remember another slow start against Rutgers a couple years ago and um, a noon game late in the late in the year. Um, but this is the last, um, Game potentially for uh, for a bunch of guys, definitely for a handful of guys. And bro, why don't you run down who those folks are that we might be seeing for the last time in a Penn State uniform in Beaver Stadium?
0: Well, we've got um, Brisker, castro Fields, John Lovett, Derek Tangelo. Th- those were all you know, like guys that are m- most likely gone. Or no, definitely oh, definitely gone, definitely gone. Um, and yeah, then there's because others-
1: they've already they've already used their. COVID eligibility this season. Yeah. extra sixth year. So right, right. they have no choice to come back. Yep. They're gone.
0: Yep. And so and so then you have on top of that guys that are likely not gonna be seen um in blue and white next year are Jonathan Sutherland, Jordan Stout, Jake Pinneger, PJ or at least they have the potential to come back, but might not, you know, they might move on. Uh Jake Pinnegger. Yeah, the these kicker. are seniors,
1: by the yep. way, either either yep. um redshirt or true seniors. Yep.
0: PJ Mustafer, Des Holmes, Mike Miranda, Eric Wilson, and Anthony Wigan, Fred Hansard, Drew Hartlob, Arnold Ebiketie, Jair Brown, Sean Clifford, Ellis Brooks, Cam Sullivan-Brown, Jahan Dotson. That's a that's a long list of, of guys that have contributed to this team this year.
1: Yeah, on every level, basically, other than like um, linebacker. <laughs> you know, we got offensive linemen, special, and teams and that's not players. even to count
0: all these guys that might leave. You know, uh, either transfer yeah, yeah, tr- portal, tr- tr-
1: transfer, or, or um, just, junior. You know, yeah. redshirt juniors yeah. who who might try their hand at the NFL. But yeah, a lot of talent going. Of course, a lot of talent staying. But but nonetheless, this is going to be um, a lot of these guys' last chance to. Um, uh, to, to show their stuff in front of a home crowd. Um, now, it is Rutgers, and anyone who's uh, followed Penn State football for a long time knows that, um, like a couple of our other um, longtime uh, uh, rivals, you know, pre-Big Ten rivals, um, Penn State's had their way with these guys. 29-2 uh, and two is Penn State's win-loss retker, uh, <laughs> record to Rutgers.
0: Rutgers to record. What's the Rutgers record, record ratio? <laughs> <laughs> All alliteration aside,
1: um, I guess their last win in state college was in 1988. So um, sounds like another bad year for college football, <laughs> Penn State football, I should say.
0: That was, a, um, that was in Beaver Stadium too. Uh, but but yeah. we
1: go ahead. I was going to say, but but there have been a couple of close games lately. Um, you know, Penn State lost to Rutgers within. Um, you know, the last decade, um, Franklin's first year was a uh, was was barely uh, uh, you know squeaking by Rutgers, thirteen to ten. Um, and you know, we've got Greg Schiano on the other side, who's been putting together a half decent um, a half decent Rutgers program um, this year. They're they're five and five overall, two and five in the conference record. And, and by the way, we're only one game ahead of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think, you know, they have, they've got some momentum on their, on their team a little bit more. Um, you know, the first year coach, excuse me, second year coach Shiano, he has these guys buying into his program. Yeah, they've lost four, or excuse me, five of their last six games, but they're coming off of a dominant performance, um, Against uh, against an Indiana team that that we kind of you know we did dominate them that we won twenty four to nothing but but I, I still feel like you know we left a lot on the table against Indiana and it looked like Rutgers just like kind of handed it to them uh, and um, so I, I look for Rutgers to be pretty darn competitive in this game and especially you know Franklin and Penn State coming off of a kind of a gut wrenching loss. As as the Iowa game was a gut wrenching loss, as uh, I just I have a really bad I have a bad feeling about this game. Similarly to the way I had a bad feeling about the Illinois game, I just
1: yeah. I mean, this is a game we can lose for sure. And um, you know, Penn, Penn State and James Franklin are gonna have to find a way to stem the tide of lost momentum. Yeah, of gather themselves. I mean. If we lose these last two games, it's a six and six season. If we win these last two games, you feel like you you corrected some things. You got yourself a win against a top ten opponent in Michigan State next week. Um, you know, if we split these games and you just win the Rutgers game, it just it just feels like so much, um, you know, so much of of your season was was just left wishing about what might have been. I, you know, and I think if you lose this game, it's really hard to find Penn State. Gathering themselves to win that last game against a Michigan State team who might be playing for the Big Ten uh, championship game. Um, you know, I, what I really would like to see Penn State show, and I don't know if they will, is a full game execution, focus, domination of a team that should have no rightful business being in this game. That's what I would like to see.
0: I think it's about. The team, Penn State and Franklin coming together and and working on themselves, <laughs> working on on how how to to play smarter, how to execute better, how to you know call the right plays against you know various formations and in various how to hold your blocks on yeah. the offensive line. <laughs> oh man, I mean that's Gosh. it. That's it. I mean, I I really think Rutgers could hand us a loss in Beaver Stadium. Then I mean we'd be zero and three in our last three games at Beaver Stadium this season. You know, we we just like last week or this Michigan game that we just lost, that was an opportunity for this team to prove to to, to themselves that they are better than what their records showed. And then they you know, just one step for one step forward, two steps back in that game. And yeah, it's just you can't do that against any team, Rutgers included. And it's I think it's just about our team's ability to execute. And our coach's ability to call plays properly, you know, I, have they yeah. done that? <laughs> so,
1: so here's the question, man. Do you, do you have a prediction for this game? Do you have a score? Do you even want to venture to give one? I mean, we know what we could see. We know what, you know, if Penn State plays the way they're. we think they're capable of playing. We know what we're worried about seeing if they don't. Do you have a sense of what we're going to get this week?
0: I, I don't. I honestly don't. It's sad. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. I, 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 you know, I, I really thought we would win that Michigan game. I thought we could. I thought we would, and I thought I'd see a better, a better performance. And I don't. I'm not making excuses for for the play. The I just there's no, the excuses are from the top down. I really like that's the, the excuse is not. I don't put it on the players. I really don't. I sadly I, in, in, and <laughs> and. But here we are against, you know, Rutgers, who's been a doormat to us forever. Um I I I predict a twenty one to twenty Penn State victory. I think it'll be oh my I think it'll be an ugly game. That's almost worse than a loss. <laughs> I think it'll be an ugly game. I I think it'll be a lackluster yeah. performance. I and and if we win, I mean that, I'll take it. They did play
1: they did play Michigan very close, by the way, you know, and um, yeah, we played
0: Illinois, we played Iowa pretty close, and then look what happened to Illinois.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: twenty-one to so twenty. I'm just I'm saying.
1: Calling. No, what I was saying is that Rutgers. Played oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Close. And by the way, in the big was, house,
0: in the big house.
1: It, it, it was a it was an ugly win that felt like, you know, wasn't much to write home about. I, I mean, I think this is a line in the sand week. We've got to get a win.
0: If he can't get I these think, players to to perform against Rutgers, dude, we got a real problem on our hands.
1: I you know, I, I, the only the only eventuality in which Franklin doesn't survive the season as at Penn State would involve Franklin dropping this game to Rutgers. yeah, I'm not saying he would necessarily get fired if we lose this game but you
0: can't shut the fans up if you lose the Rutgers at home it would be you have no where no no, yeah. no room like there's nothing there's no excuse for it like if if Franklin it doesn't come out and like just take everything on himself not talking about how we're not making explosive plays enough like these excuses are are, are empty and worthless. You know?
1: As our dad always says, when you're explaining, you're losing.
0: Yeah, and our dad and, would also say, cheer um, your team. And I am cheering my team still, <laughs> but I it's very tough to defend Franklin at this juncture. Look, I I, I want. Th-
1: th- I mean, this is a team that's battled over two years. This is a team that has you know kind of not managed to to grasp their expectations to to seize their goals. I, I would love for this team to have a dominant. Easy, fun, high scoring victory. You know, I, 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 and I think Rutgers is a team that on a talent level uh, th- can be exploited. But, uh, you know, w- I would take a Maryland type victory where the score looks decent, even though it was a close game. So, what's I your would prediction? Oh, my. I, I can't do it, man. I don't. You have to. Oh, my gosh. You have to do it. Yeah. I, uh, 27 to 13, Penn State. Okay. I, I think they win. I don't think – I, I would love them to you know run up into the 40- and 50-yard point. What 50 do you think is best for Penn State football,
0: think. to win or lose this game in the, in the long-term grand scheme? I think
1: we have to win this game. I think failing to win this game um, has, has major repercussions. Um, and I think we really need to win next game as well. And I don't think we win next game without winning this game
0: there there was some other I didn't I, I don't think I have it anymore. there was some other uh, Alexandra Dumont quote from the Count of Monte Cristo and I'm gonna butcher it. Um, I can't remember exactly what the what the quote was, but it was basically like until you've like until you've asked for death, you will not know how good life is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
1: true though, right? That's true. But like I thought that was last season.
0: Right. Yeah, here we are back to you back. Know. here. I actually do have the quote here. I can I can give you the the full quote. It's um here we go. It's necessary. It's necessary. <laughs> it is necessary yeah. to wish to have wished for death in order to know how good it is to live. I don't know if that applies here, yeah, but, you think, but like you think that Franklin's there? No, no. <laughs> well, I, I think the, fans, the fans are, are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. It's it, it feels like it's been a long time now since we've had. You know, especially the way the season has turned out. I mean, earlier in the season, we thought we were riding high, but the, the way things are, are shaking out, it feels like it's been a long time since we've been able to get to the end of the season with high expectations. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not wishing for death, but, but I do think though... I I think we need these two wins. We got to hang on to that recruiting class. We got to keep these players bought in. We got to. I think it's best for Penn State to stick with Franklin. Last, we need to win these next two. (laughs)
0: Last content increase. There's so many good quotes here that actually apply to so many aspects of what we're dealing with, from fans to players to coach. Here's one quote: Moral wounds have this peculiarity. They may be hidden, but they never close. Always painful, always ready to bleed when touched. They remain fresh and open in the heart. And that's as a fan, when we are losing these close games like this, these are the mortal yeah. wounds we have to suffer through every time they're touched to our wounded heart. You
1: know, like the like PTSD, the that fear
0: of dropping the game and sitting PTSD, there waiting. Penn State <laughs> PSU, yeah, Penn State yeah. PSPS. Wait, whatever. You get it. <laughs> yeah. PS,
1: PTSD. Oh, man. Well, look, um,. I think that's it, bro. I think we're. Yeah. I think we're starting. I, to I can't uh, go anymore. off the rails here, my friend. I got um, a couple more kind so, uh, of
0: quotes real quick here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'd like to say once again thanks to uh, our blue and white brothers family for sticking with us um, and uh, sharing this journey with us. It's it's been a more challenging one these last four or five weeks, um, but i been been glad to be able to share it with you. Uh, again, want to um, encourage you to write in, um, give us a rating, share a review, um, and. we Whatever happens, we'll be with you next week. We will. What will be will be
0: whatever
1: happens. (laughs) But until then, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you.
0: It always starts with I love you. It always ends with I love you. Love you, bro. We
1: are. Have a great week. Penn State.
0: Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise.